wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back, so deal with it. Let's do this! Finally, The Rock has come back! Live TV is awesome. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! Happy Tuesday, folks. Graham Giusta Matthews here, and you are listening to WrestleRant Radio, June 9th, 2015. What a week it's been. It's been absolutely nuts. A sensational past Seven days. All starting last week, as I mentioned on last week's episode. June 2nd, my 20th birthday. From there, it's been all craziness. Um, spent the weekend with my buddy John at underscore John's Jargon on the Twitter Friday and Saturday. A straight 27-hour period where we were together watching WWE Network. Um, <laughs> watching some more WWE Network. Playing SmackDown vs. Raw 2007 on the PS2. General manager mode. Hashtag at BeastBooking. Great time spending the weekend with him. And then on Sunday, Legends of Wrestling in City Field, New York City. Another awesome time. I said last week on the show I might get tickets for my birthday, and I did. Had an awesome experience. I'll be talking all about it right here on the show. And also, that's not it. That's not even the least of it. Breaking news, an awesome announcement. Um, A huge announcement in regards to this very show. It's either next week or the week after that. I have not made up my mind yet. Probably in two weeks. We are having a very special guest, a former WWE star, a current TNA star, for an exclusive interview here on the show. We talked over Twitter just two days ago, yesterday. We made the interview happen. I talked to him earlier today. Just don't know when it's going to drop. Next week, we're talking all about Money in the Bank and Monday Night Raw. And the interview lasted 40 minutes, one of the best wrestling conversations I've ever had with anyone in the business. So it's uh, it's it's a great conversation. You're not going to want to miss it. And who am I talking about? You'll find out at the end of this very show. Wait until the end. I'll reveal who it is. I'll talk about it on Facebook and Twitter. Probably tomorrow, I'll break the news. But here on the show, if you want to get the first look at who I will be interviewing right here on WrestleRant Radio, stay tuned until the end of this podcast. But like I mentioned, it's either going to be next week or in two weeks from now, probably leaning towards the 22nd, or the 23rd rather, because next week we're talking about money in the bank, and I don't want to go over time. I just hate going over the hour mark, um, unless it's a couple minutes over. But if it's an hour and a half, i got to do a different website to convert the file. All this other honky-donky bullshit, and I don't want to have to go through that if you understand my pain. But anyway, Legends of Wrestling this past weekend had a hell of a time, had a hell of a time, tongue twister there. Um, it's a great experience. I got, like I said, got tickets for my birthday last Tuesday. Pretty nice tickets, not next to ringside. Um, these were these ones were significantly cheaper, but they were still pretty good seats. You got a great view of the Jumbotron, Titantron, whatever you want to call it. All of my pictures, by the way, cheap plug up on my website or this very website, nextiterwrestling.net. Go to event photos, the very last cover photo, or the very last album, whatever it is, from Legends of Wrestling. All my photos are up there. My pictures with. Uh, I'll talk about the experience in a second. My pictures with various wrestlers and a couple other cool people that I met. Had a great time. The pictures are up on Facebook as well. And um, they're all over the place on Twitter. Goldberg retweeted one of them. I'll get to that in a second. And one of these, uh, a hilarious fan interaction that I had while waiting in line to meet Lita. All of that to come in just a few minutes. 
So anyway, we leave. I live in Connecticut. I live in central Connecticut, so it takes a couple hours to get to New York. Not too, too long, but with traffic and all that other bullshit, it did take a while. We left at like 12.31. We didn't get there until like 3.30. I wanted to get there earlier. Um, I know they had like a kickoff show, like a VIP party. I did not get VIP tickets, and even if I did, I probably would have missed it, so I'm glad I didn't. But um, yeah, that was pretty cool. So we get there around like 3.30. We get in the building. No problem. Only took a couple minutes to go in to get in. I'm wearing my Mr. Anderson Pro Wrestling is t-shirt. Uh, my Pro Wrestling is real t-shirt, which Axel, Jim Duggan did like, by the way, and a few other people. Um, so that was nice. I was wearing my Dean Ambrose sweatshirt, which came in the mail on Friday. So that kept me warm for the uh, for the weekend, for the um, festivities on Sunday night. But yeah, we entered the building, and immediately, I've never been to City Field before, so it was a great experience of so walking in a giant stadium. And um, in the middle, you had the ring and uh, a couple other seats, like around ringside and all that other kind of stuff. We got seats in the general vicinity, like where you would sit to watch a baseball game. And uh, like I said, a pretty good view. You couldn't really see the ring that well, but it didn't matter because you could see it all on this HD Titantron, HD Jumbotron right next to us so that kind of made up for it but um yeah before we're sitting down there were a couple other indie matches like matches involving indie wrestling because the fan fest or the uh, festivity or uh, festivities and festival whatever you want to call it lasted from three to five and then the actual show like the matches started from or from five to seven so from when we got there at 3 30 to from five o'clock it almost started almost exactly at five we were walking around the stadium a couple of times and it's really not that big. You can walk across like the entire thing in like two or three minutes. But, um, still we walked across, we did a whole lap around seeing who was where, who was what, um, where they were located, whatever. A couple other indie matches going on in the middle of the ring. Like I said, before the festivity or before the actual show kicked off involving a couple NECW guys, you know, a couple of restaurant radio alumni, restaurant radio alumni involving Sean Burke, the current NECW champion, Slick Wagner Brown, who we had here on the show a couple weeks ago. Cheap plug. Make sure to go back and check out that exclusive interview. Had a great time talking to him. Um, only days removed when he won that championship. El Toto Loco and a few other... I think Pete Gass was there, someone said to me. Um, Pete Gass of the Mean Street Posse, I, <laughs> I think. From the late 90s in WWF, I guess he was wrestling a match or something like that. But yeah, the, all those matches were going on or, or going on while we were walking around the stadium. And while we walked around... Um, they had this ring set up where you could go in and take pictures, whoever was in there. They had demolition there the first time. Maybe should I, if it was 25 bucks, I probably would not have. I got 25 buck picture with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, which was well worth it, and I'm glad I did. Um, you know, demolition is cool and all, but I would have rather meet. I would have rather had meeting um, meets uh, Hacksaw, so I'm glad I did. But demolition was standing in that middle ring right there. They had other these you know festivities going on. They had this huge merchandise table with all these overpriced action figures and wrestlers, whatever. They had DVDs for only ten bucks. I ended up buying. I went back later on the way out, and I bought a Vengeance 05 DVD and a Royal Rumble 2010 DVD. What, Vengeance 05 was just a cool event, and then Royal Rumble 2010 was the first ever pay-per-view I ordered um, back in January 2010, my favorite pay-per-view ever, so I'm glad I did um, buy those pay-per-views. I mean, the, the the common question is, why would you buy a pay-per-view if it's available on the network? Well, they're cool shows, dude. If I don't get the network and I, if I don't have internet connection wherever I am, I can just pop a DVD in. I can watch it on my DVD player or my laptop or wherever, so deal with it. No, no, in all seriousness, no. In all seriousness, though, um, it was cool getting those DVDs for only 10 bucks each. I know you can probably get the WWE Network for that much to get 600 pay-per-views. But like I said, deal with it. They're great shows. 
Looking forward to watching those. So they had the merch table. They had this table set up where you could play WWF No Mercy. And it was like this guy dressed as the caveman playing at one point. That was pretty funny to say. But yeah, No Mercy is my shiznit. I play that all the, sing- all the time every time I go over to my grandmother's house. She has like an N64 set up in her basement. And my brother and I play every single time we're over there. <laughs> it gives us something to do. Great game. I know it came out in like the year 2000. But it's such an awesome game. It's vintage. It's classic. It's classic. If you can get your hands on it, play it. It's awesome. Dare I say, better than some of the most recent games that come out. You know, 2K15, 2K14. I'm looking at you. I think these No Mercy games, um, WCW versus Nitro or WCW versus NWO Nitro, whatever it was. Um, great games for the N64. So they had that. They had that set up. They had the pictures with all the wrestlers. And as we're walking around. Um, there were a couple other wrestlers around the arena, and you didn't have to pay for any of these, by the way, with the exception of the people standing in the ring, because I get, you know, it was with an HD camera, it was in the middle of a ring, so it's different, it's obviously going to cost more, but all the other wrestlers that were located throughout the stadium, you didn't have to pay for, they were just kind of standing there behind tables, you had to wait in line, obviously, um, they, people literally just walked up and took pictures with the wrestlers, including Mr. Kennedy, Robbie E, Nux, Doc Gallows, all these other, you know, TNA guys, New Japan guys. I think there were a couple. The Lita was there, who I'll talk about in a second. Um, Brian Myers, aka Kurt Hawkins from WWE. A lot of notable names surrounding the table who I did not know what was going to be there. By the way, a lot of these people were just unadvertised. Matt Seidel, aka Evan Bourne. A lot of cool people. People just literally just walked up, took pictures with them, and left. You didn't have to pay for it. It all was included in the price of admission, which was awesome. So anyway. I was about to get a picture with Mr. Anderson, and I got caught up with an old friend of mine at Sethka on the Twitter, Seth Gunplan. He's a great writer. I think he's a school teacher over in New York. He's, I've known him for years. Great catching up with him and meeting him for the first time. But in talking to him after we after we parted ways, I had found out that Mr. Anderson had to leave. So as soon as we got done talking, Anderson left. So didn't get a picture with Anderson, unfortunately, despite me wearing his shirt. But I have you know a picture with him from like late 2009. I met him at a Northeast Wrestling Indie event back in November of 2009. He was a great dude then. He was cool to his fans. All these years later, I saw him talking to a couple people, so that was nice of him to stick around. For some people, I was un- I was unable to get a picture, but still, cool to see him. I was able to get a picture, by the way, with uh, Lita. She had a pretty long line waiting for her after everyone else left. Um, Anderson, Robbie E., all the New Japan Aces and Eights guys, all the uh, Bullet Club guys, TNA guys, whatever. They all left because I guess I thought they were coming back. I guess not, but I guess I had to go get ready for the show. Um, that was like around four. And like I said, all these festivities lasted until like five. So I was surprised they left so early. But anyway, I felt, you know, I, I was obligated to get a picture with whoever I can find. And Lita was waiting there in line. I was waiting there in line for Lita. So that was pretty cool. And in waiting in line, I got to talk to a few people. Some guy talking or standing next to me. We just shot the breeze about WWE. TNA, the Indies, Ring of Honor, whatever, Destination America. Excuse me, we were just talking, shooting the breeze, like I said, just about whatever. And this other dude was in front of us, and he was um, just bringing up random things, and he was asking me if I was an Owen Art fan, and um, all this other craziness. And he, <laughs> he was asking me if uh, if I was a fan of Owen Hart's back in the day, and I said, um, yeah, Owen Hart is awesome. You know, I didn't watch back in the 90s. I wasn't even barely alive <laughs> by the point that Owen Hart was doing his thing. I was born in 95, so I just said, you know, Owen Hart is awesome, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, whatever, 
and he was talking about how Owen Hart died, and then he brought he brought up how his father passed away and he was murdered, and the <laughs> conversation, as you can tell, kind of got awkward by that point. So um, that was that was interesting. That was probably the uh, most interesting part of my entire experience at Legends of Wrestling, encountering someone who said that their father had passed away randomly, just bringing that up and said they got murdered. Um, that was um, something. <laughs> so thankfully. We got in line. That was right before I met Lita, so I met her, and um, we just bounced right out of there before this guy can keep on going on. That was a bit scary. So, uh, yeah, Lita was cool. She was very nice. Got a cool picture with her, like I said, up on the here on the website, event photos. Go to Legends of Wrestling. And from her, right next to her was Kurt Hawkins. Got a picture with him. Just told him how, you know, I loved his tag team with Zack Ryder. I loved his mafia show. Should have been a babyface. Should have gone over as a babyface. He said, I tried. That was funny. Uh, but yeah, he was a cool dude, and after that, we kind of, like I said, made our way around the arena. They had pictures with Greg Valentine, the Nasty Boys were there, Demolition, as I mentioned before, they had to go, so couldn't get a picture of those guys, and um, yeah, we just kind of made the rounds around the arena a couple times, and then we got back around to where the merch table was, where No Mercy was, took a picture with Hacksaw, who was the coolest wrestler that I met all day, again, the picture's up on my Twitter, at WrestleRant, if you want to check it out, he was really cool, complimented me on my Anderson shirt, my Mr. Anderson shirt, he probably didn't even know it was his shirt, he just saw that pro wrestling was real on the on the front of the shirt, and probably just liked that part of it, but I talked about how I loved him on Legends House, whatever, I know this is a marky thing to say, like, oh, I loved your match from like 1988 or something like that, I didn't say that, I said I loved your time on Legends House, what a dumb thing for me to say, but still, he was really cool to talk to and take a picture with, and just like that, it was 5 o'clock, just like that. And we got to sit down, we got some popcorn, waited for the show. And thanks to Reddit for the results of the show, I, I didn't write down the results or anything like that. I'm not writing a review for here for the website. I just talked about it pretty much in general. I'm talking about it now. This is my basic written review um, in verbal form, I guess. In a written review in verbal form, that doesn't make any sense. But you know what I mean. Um, so thank you for to Reddit for reminding me of the results. I took pictures, like I said, all up here on the website. But it's much easier if I just read off the results of the um of this show here from Reddit, so thanks to those guys, the squared circle part of the website. So kicking off the actual part of the show at 5 o'clock was a tag team match, Flex Armstrong and Andrew Anderson with Greg the Hammer Valentine, taking on Mr. T.A. and Bam Shaw with John Cena's dad, I think his name is Johnny Fabulous, over in the Northeast area, I think. Um, but yeah, John Cena Sr., who they did introduce as John Cena Sr. and John Cena's father, whatever. And also, doing the entering introductions was Dave Pesner from WCW and TNA. I was always a huge fan of his. He was great. I always enjoyed his style of announcing, and he was great here as well. Doing the commentary over the show, none other than Matt Stryker and, and Ashley, if you can believe it. Ashley Massaro from 2005. I think she won the... When did she win the Diva Search? I think in 06. I think Hemi won in 05 or 04. No, Hemi, Hemi won in 04, I think, because she was at WrestleMania 21. So then that means Masara won in 05. You know, 06 was Layla, 07 was Eve. That's what it was. So anyway, she's doing the commentary and was atrocious. Thankfully, uh, Tyrus, a.k.a. Brodus Clay, came out and uh, took her off commentary. He replaced her later on in the night. But um, that was horrendous. But yeah, the first matchup was not good at all. I didn't know who any of these guys were. I just knew that, you know, Greg the Hammer Valentine and John Cena Sr. were the only people that I knew. And they weren't even wrestling. They were just managers. This show would have been better served on the kickoff, in the pre-show, whatever. No one cared. No one reacted. And Matt Stryker made a couple match references, and that was the only thing that got aroused out of the crowd. And that was it. The match sucked. They, they weren't really that good. Like I said, I don't know who these guys are. Maybe they just had an off night. 
but the match was not good. Um, Flex, Armstrong, Flex Armstrong and Andrew Anderson going over here, and uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine getting physical with one of the guys afterwards, John Cena Sr., made a bolt to the back, um, wearing glasses and all, and then... Hammer dropping a hammer elbow on one of the uh, one of either TA or Bamshaw, whoever, after the matchup, which got the biggest pop up to that point because they didn't care about the matchup. After that, we had Brian Myers, aka formerly known as Kurt Hawkins, taking on Tyrus, formerly known as Brodus Clay in WWE. Pretty decent match, definitely better than the opener. Kurt Hawkins was always the guy, in my opinion, that was so utterly wasted. In WWE, was so underutilized. I'm not saying he could have been WWE champion. Same thing with Brodus Clay, aka Tyrus. He's doing well for himself right now in TNA. Um, but I feel like even in WWE, they they completely wasted that dude and um, Hawkins as well. But they had a nice matchup. Um, Brian Myers went over with a flying elbow, and then right after the matchup, Brodus Clay got angry and he took Ashley away from ringside. Complete shoot, I guess. People were asking where Ashley was for the remainder of the night. And the commentary, by the way, you can hear. It was broadcast over the intercom, so it wasn't like it was a DVD exclusive. I don't think the show will be ever released on DVD. The only ever footage you'll see of it is what people took and put on YouTube and on Instagram and on photos that I took and stuff like that. I don't think it's coming out in DVD form, nor should I. I mean, the show, while it was enjoyable, was not like WrestleMania quality. The matches weren't amazing. It was just cool to see all these guys in one place. Anyway, after that, we had Hacksaw Jim Duggan taking on Robbie E., who cut a promo on Duggan earlier in the night. Pretty standard matchup for a guy who hasn't wrestled in years or who isn't in his prime Duggan, that is. You know, did pretty well for himself. He did not look into place at all. Robbie E. sold very well for his offense. And um, pretty much a comedy match, but fine for what it was. Most of these matches did not exceed three, four, five minutes. They were not very long matches. They just basically wanted to get everyone in the show. After that, we had a surprise appearance from Tommy Dreamer, who I heard a couple rumors was there in attendance. Um, so it was cool to see him on the show. Taking on, of all people, Wes Briscoe from TNA, formerly a member of the Aces and Eights, one of the worst factions in TNA's history, which was all over the show, by the way. The Aces and Eights made at least three or four appearances on this show, which was uh, very bizarre. But yeah, fine match. Dreamer is awesome as ever and is, you know, native New York. Got a huge reaction when he came out to um, not enter the Sandman. Man in the Box. I mean, that's what his theme song was in ECW. Had a instrumental version in WWE. He did not have the lyrical version when he came out here. He had the song itself just without the lyrics, if that makes any sense. It wasn't his WWE theme exactly, but it was the song without the lyrics. Cool to hear that. Cool to see Dreamer. I'm a very good friend. I mean, I, we've interacted many times in the past. Um, I've met him at least four times. He remembers me every single time I go see him. I haven't seen him in a couple years. Hopefully, you know, maybe at some point we can cross paths. But um, I was not able to see him at this show because I didn't even think he was going to be there. I don't, I don't know if he did any autograph signings or anything like that. I think he showed up last minute. But anyway, cool to see him. Wes Briscoe, awfully tattooed. I mean, people were bashing Steiner's tattoo. I didn't really have a huge problem with that. Not to say it looked good, but I didn't really care about that. Wes Briscoe looked terrible. Not, not that he was in terrible shape, just... I don't know if he was wearing different gear than he was in TNA. I think in TNA he wore pants. Here he wore trunks, but he had tattoos all over his body, all over his legs. And he's not the most muscular guy in the world. It just didn't look good. I was never a fan of his to begin with. He wasn't a great wrestler. The match was okay, but just seeing those tattoos was ugh, nasty. After that, Ric Flair came out to a huge pop, one of the biggest of the night, obviously. A lot of woos, a lot of chants, and he came out to his music. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Which is noteworthy, by the way, because a lot of the people did not come out to their entrance music. Um, Tyrus, by the way, I forgot to mention this. He got in the microphone. People were chanting Funkasaurus. 
and Matt Stryker on commentary was making a lot of Funkasaurus references, whatever, and he got on the mic and said, this is for the people, funk you, and that was great, that got a big pop from the crowd, but anyway, um, what was I saying before, uh, what was I going to say, fuck, Ric Flair, you know, he came out for a promo, basically just talk, oh no, what was what, what was noteworthy, basically, was what I was trying to get at, was that a lot of the people did not use their music from WWE, TNA, whatever, a lot of the people just used, um, songs that the actual songs because i know myers when he came out used up all night up i think by hinder i think their name is i have their song on my ipod it's a good song a lot of the people a lot of the people did not come out to their wwe music or tna music for the most part steiner came out to his music which was a pleasant surprise rvd didn't bret hart didn't which was weird i get to bret hart's appearance in a second but that was strange but anyway after the rick flair promo he got interrupted by mr anderson who was hilarious just mocking rick flair he had Nux out with him as well. They were talking about how Aces and Eights was awesome, which was a blatant lie. And then out come the Nasty Boys, who had a match with um, the Aces and Eights members, Anderson and Nux, a hardcore match. There was no real you know, formal announcement. This is a hardcore matchup. We just assumed it was, given who was involved, and the fact that the Nasty Boys ran out using tin, not tinfoil, but like um, plastic stuff. I mean, it was not... Uh, an ECW hardcore match that you would see 10, 15 years ago to 15, 20 years ago. Completely different sense of hardcore. But it was fun for what it was, which which, which can sum up this entire show in a nutshell. But um, a fun little match if the Nasty Boys went over after help from Demolition. So cool to see those two tag teams in the ring at the same time. Don't really care much for the Nasty Boys. They didn't look too good. The Demolition looked good. Demolition looked very good. And um, they should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. That's all I'm going to say. Up next, Tyrus came out in uh, for commentary um, after he took Ashley away from ringside earlier. So that was funny. He was great on commentary all night, and um, he's just a natural at talking, so it was funny to hear him. Up next, we had Matt Seidel. We had a brief intermission, and then we had Matt Seidel taking on Doc Gallows. Matt Seidel, a.k.a. formerly known as Evan Bourne in WWE. Fun little matchup. They told a nice story with Doc Gallows being like, oh, you're not as tall as me. You can't do any moves. You know, it was a nice story, but it came at the wrong point in the show. By that point, people were just silent. They wanted to see some fun matches. It was almost 7 o'clock. The thing was supposed to end at 7. It didn't end until like 7.30, 7.40. So people just kind of wanted to go or, or see Goldberg or whoever. So it's kind of the wrong story to be telling um, at this point in the night. But a fine match. Matt, Matt Seidel got a um, nice reaction for her shooting star press, which is always awesome to see live. And then from there, Scott Steiner came out, like I said before, to his WWE music. Holler, if you hear me. And you hear the sirens going off for five minutes as he made his way to the ring with Doc Gallows in tow, which was weird. Again, the aces and eights all over the show for what we, for whatever reason. I mean, I like Doc Gallows, but why not just get one of the indie guys to go out there with him, you know? It doesn't... To see Doc Gallows like three times in the same night was a little weird. But anyway, Scott Center grabs the mic, and this was hilarious, because I know I was reading this weeks beforehand. I know he did interviews going into this event, saying how, you know, he was calling out Hulk Hogan, anyone who's been following, like, the news reports and the dirt sheets, whatever, over the last couple of months knows that he had a brief run-in with Hogan's wife, at the airport, at the airport over WrestleMania weekend, and they filed a lawsuit or a restraining order, whatever. And he was calling out Hogan, and he called out Hogan going into the show. I, you know, I, I challenge you, or I bet you a hundred or a thousand dollars doesn't show up. I want to fight you at this event. Of course, Hogan didn't show up. Why would he? I mean, he doesn't need a thousand dollars or whatever he challenged him for. So Steiner gets on the mic and he says, "What, what kind of ruined it was?" Um, 
uh, Bret Hart came out earlier. He came out when RVD came out, but he wasn't. When RVD was coming out, you saw him talking to Bret Hart, so that kind of ruined the surprise. They didn't announce him until he got to the ring. He wasn't wearing, you know, he was just wearing a green t- t-shirt, a green shirt and, and jeans. And he didn't come out to his WWE music. So it was kind of a lukewarm reaction to Bret Hart. It was a little strange. From, from afar, you would have been never, never been able to tell it was him um, until they got the close-up on the Jumbotron. But anyway, before that, Steiner's on the mic and saying that, oh, per usual, I challenge, you know, Hulk Hogan, I challenged you to be here. But per usual, Hogan's being a little bitch. He didn't show up. Got a big, uh, nice little reaction from the crowd. That was cool. And he said, I'm issuing an open challenge instead. But that was kind of pointless because we saw RVD a couple minutes earlier saying that he was going to come out and face Scott Steiner. So that kind of ruined the surprise. And Bret Hart coming out was not really a shocker either, like I said before, because he was um, he, they already showed him on the camera talking to RVD before the match. But anyway... Um, so that was that, and they had their match. Pretty nice match. It was nice. For, it was fine for what it was. I mean, you can only get so good of a matchup out of RVD and Scott Steiner in 2015. But I enjoyed it. Always cool to see RVD live. Cool to see Scott Steiner live. Probably something I'll never be able to see again. Um, yeah. He, so he was pretty cool. Nice match. RVD goes over, not with the five star frog splash. He, I think he won with like a DDT or the Van Terminator, Van Daminator, whatever it was. He won with something other than the five-star frog splash, and he never ended up hitting it for whatever reason. So then Gallows enters the ring, and Steiner does as well. They start beating up an RVD. Goldberg chants erupt, and out comes Goldberg, runs down to the ring, enters the ring, spears Steiner out of his boots. And before he could do so, I got two great pictures of him running towards Steiner on the Jumbotron, which are on the website. Goldberg retweeted one of them, which was awesome. It got me a lot of mainstream coverage. On Monday morning, someone was like, hey, you're all over the wrestling dirt sheets. You're all over the wrestling news sites. And I was like, really? So I did some searching. I was on Lords of Pain, on E-Wrestling. I was on Wrestling Inc. and a few other What Culture, a few other websites as well. So that was that was cool. Get uh to get my feet to get my picture featured and my tweet featured. Got a bunch of new followers from that. So anyway, so Goldberg comes out, spears Scott Steiner right out of his, right out of his boots. Doc Gallows enters the ring and Goldberg lands a jackhammer on him to a huge reaction, easily the biggest pop of the night. Gets on the mic and says, you know, RVD, you're great, whatever, whatever. Says I'm back and uh, challenge. I don't think he challenged Steiner to a match, but. It seemed like he was hinting at a uh, future in-ring return, maybe. I don't know when Goldberg's last match was. I don't even know when the last time when he got physical. So the crowd came unglued when he got physical with Steiner and hit an awesome spear. I mean, Steiner didn't really sell it all that well. Why would he? The guy's fucking jacked the gills. But um, he hit the spear. He hit the jackhammer. It definitely looked like he might have been teasing a future in-ring encounter. And I have no idea when the last time he got physical was. So for me to see that live, for him, for me to hear his music, I think it was his WCW music, not his WWE music. It wasn't like a random song like with the other guys. He had his music. And it was really cool to hear that. I've never been the biggest Goldberg fan. Um, you know, I, I've liked Gold. I mean, I respect the guy, but I've never really been a big fan of his as a person, as a wrestler, whatever. And uh, when he came out, that place came on glue, and I just got in- just got invested in the entire thing, just got engrossed in what was going on. And like I said, cut a promo, putting over RVD, and just kind of teasing maybe a future entering return. Thanked everyone for coming out, and that was it, kind of celebrating with RVD to close the show. So a great closer, best possible way to close it out. People were very excited to see Goldberg and to see him get physical. You know, after Bret Hart and Ric Flair came out, just kind of making brief appearances, 
uh, Goldberg, everyone assumed he'd be doing the same, would be doing the same thing. So to see him get physical with the other guys, with Gallows, with Steiner was very, very cool. Now, um, I've always been very vocal about this. I'm not anti-Goldberg or anything like that, but I've just never, you know, on my list of people that I want to see come back, it's Angle, Jeff Hardy, and CM Punk. Technically, I know he only left a year ago, but I want to see Punk back eventually. Goldberg is not really, probably not even in my top five. Honestly, before, maybe now it's different, but before, if Goldberg was to come back or if, would I want to see Goldberg back? I didn't really care. It's not that I didn't want to see him back. It's just I didn't really have a burning desire to see him back in WWE. It's not like if he, if he came back, cool. You know, I would cheer. I would pop. I'd mark out for it. Absolutely. I was hoping he would show up at Raw 1000 a couple years ago and do an interaction with Ryback. Obviously, that didn't happen. I was hoping he would do something at WrestleMania 30. Again, did not happen. But um, anyway, so yeah, if Goldberg came back, I, I think it'd be cool, especially after seeing him live and seeing him get physical and hearing his theme song. I could see why so many people were into him. He's not the greatest wrestler in the world, but who is? You know, Ryback isn't. I'm a huge Ryback fan. Um, there's a lot of people who aren't great wrestlers and are still over. Like Ultimate Warrior is a perfect example. So if he came back to WWE, came back for an in-ring return, I would mark out. I think it'd be pretty cool. I'm definitely more, much more open to a Goldberg return than I was before. From the looks of it, from the sounds of it, from where I've been reading, you know, interviews with him and whatever, it sounds like he will make a ring return, in-ring return at some point, just not for WWE. It doesn't sound like they're on the very best of terms. He doesn't want to go back. They used him poorly the first time, according to him. He doesn't have many friends there. He hates the politics. He, uh, the only person that I, th- I guess he talks to from wrestling is, um, is Brock Lesnar. So I, I don't see him coming back to WWE. Maybe he'll wrestle for GFW, for Global Force. Maybe he'll wrestle for an indie organization or a next year's Legends of Wrestling event if they have one or wherever. Maybe just that, I don't know, for his own promotion like he mentioned or MMA or something. I don't know. But um, it would be cool. I'd be open to it. I think it'd be, you know, give those fans. He's not going to do it for himself. If he wants to do one more match, he's going to do it for the fans and because they want to see it. So if, there, if there's enough of a demand, maybe we will see Goldberg back in a wrestling ring after all working one more match. Whether it be in WWE or elsewhere, I would, you know, I'd be definitely open to it. But yeah, that closed off the show. We left shortly thereafter, you know, some traffic getting out. But other than that, though... Um, made it home in two hours. So, yeah, great experience. Very, very enjoyable. And they said if it was a success, we'll be back here at City Field for another Legends of Wrestling event. You know, I'm reading 10,000 people, many thousands of people. To me, it did not, it did absolutely did not look like 10,000 people were there. It was just the general where people would be sitting for a baseball game. There were a lot of sections starved off. There weren't any people in the upper seats, or there were a few people on the field, or maybe 100 people on the field. But other than that, though, there were not. Easily not 10,000 people there. I know Matt Striker alluded that on commentary at one point. There was not 1,000 people. There were not 10,000 people. Maybe 1,000 or two. But still, I would call it a success. And hopefully they do come back. I mean, it would have to be a success if they got that many huge names to do the show. And um, yeah, I had a really fun time. Not the greatest wrestling show I've ever been to. But from an experience standpoint, it was surreal. A lot of cool you know, memories. A lot of cool people I met. Both wrestlers and other people that I've met before. Seen on YouTube and podcasts and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, really cool experience. If they do come back to the New York area, I would definitely suggest that you check them out. It was an awesome experience, and I was very glad I got tickets to the show um, this past week. So I had a very fun time, and I look forward to the next show they hold at City Field. I would definitely recommend it. For, you know, the low price of like 30 40 bucks for one ticket, and then you get to meet all these great wrestlers, and most of them for free. And they also had a Q&A before the show with Hart and Goldberg, and Ric Flair, and all these other huge names. Had a great time. Got to see him live for the first time ever. Can scratch that off my bucket list. 
But um, yeah, very enjoyable experience. One interesting experience with that one fan talking about his dead father. Um, that that was something like I mentioned before. But other than that, though. Great time. Got a couple DVDs, got uh, many pictures, and a lot of awesome memories. So thank you to City Field for hosting that event. Hopefully you guys are back next June. We'd love to make it an annual event. So, with all that being said, and before I get into my full predictions for WWE Money in the Bank this upcoming Sunday, at RJ underscore Marceau, RJ, my co-host here on WrestleRant Radio, will be joining me momentarily on the phone to give our full picks, previews, and predictions for every match on the Money in the Bank card this upcoming Sunday. But before that, and my huge announcement at the end of the show as well, I'll give my brief thoughts from uh, Raw last night. I thought it was an okay show. That's why I didn't really want to spend, you know, this episode. I I really wanted to rather spend the episode doing a full review of the Legends of Wrestling show as opposed to Raw from last night. It wasn't that great of a show. It really wasn't that noteworthy. It was successful in building towards Money in the Bank on Sunday. Um, I mean, I really wasn't all that more excited for the event than I was going into it. But, you know... That's not really saying much because I'm always amped for every single pay-per-view that WWE has to offer. And I think the product right now is doing pretty good. And I'm looking forward to SummerSlam in just, looking at my watch, 75 more days. So that's going to be great. But yeah, Raw last night, really not much to write home about. Um, Opening segment, though, I thought was probably the highlight of the night and the ending stuff, too. But the opening match, opening segment from Owens and Cena, these guys continue to knock it out of the effing park. These guys are so great together on the mic, in the ring. It's every bit as excellent as we thought it was going to, you know, going in to this dream feud. That when this feud was first proposed months ago, I tweeted it after Owens decimated Sami Zayn to win the NXT Championship. I'm saying, Owens, Cena, WrestleMania 32, hashtag book it. And we're getting it all these months earlier instead, which I think is awesome because I'm loving the feud, loving the matches. Hopefully this match this this upcoming Sunday at Money in the Bank is, you know, if it's half as good as the one they had at Elimination Chamber... We're really in for a treat, and I think the ending outcome should be interesting considering how Owens won clean at the last pay-per-view. But anyway, on this show, Owens had an NXT Championship Open Challenge. So for the first time ever, the NXT title was defended on Monday Night Raw, um, beating Neville, an old, an old rival from NXT, in a really, really good matchup, as one would only expect from these two. Um, you know, it was nice to see someone other than, I don't know, the authority in the opening segment for once. And I tweeted this out that, you know, Owens said... Um, you know, people are sick of seeing John Cena kick off Raw. He's been doing it for 10 years. And while I do usually agree with Kevin Owens, Kevin Cena, whatever he has to say, this one I may take exception to. Not because I'm a John Cena fan, but I'd rather see John Cena kick off the show than The Authority for what feels like the a millionth time. They've been doing it every single damn week since they first formed in almost two years ago, SummerSlam 2013. So I, I, it was a fresh of it was a uh, breath of fresh air on Monday night when he came out instead of the authority. I was very happy to see that. Granted, I don't want to see him kick off the show every week. In a perfect world, I mean, it's a wrestling show after all. It's a wrestling show after all. Why not have a wrestling match kick off the show? You know, uh, crazy idea. I know, but still, it was something new. I enjoyed it. First half hour of this show was great. Love the match. Love the segment. Neville looked good in the feet, and um, an excellent outing from Kevin Owens per usual. The rest of the show, not so nice. It was solid. There just wasn't too much, not, not nothing too much great about it. Um, the Divas stuff, I'm just not a fan of. I like Paige. Nikki Bella has, you know, I'm a lot higher on her than I was six months ago, six months ago, a year ago, whatever. She's come a long way. Just the lack of character development with the women is depressing. It's concerning and it's very, um, it's obnoxious, it's annoying. I hate to see it because both women are very talented. 
And no one cares about the feud because Nikki Bella went from being a babyface. She turned heel at SummerSlam. She's randomly a babyface after AJ left, and she's back to being a heel. Like, why should I care? You know, it doesn't make any sense. I thought it was stupid. I didn't like it. The match of Summer Rae didn't make any sense either. She wasn't a babyface. She was acting heel. Nikki was kind of going back and forth between being a babyface and a heel. They need to know their characters and stick to them. This back and forth bullshit isn't going to work. I'm not a fan of it. I think it's dumb and no one cares. So I wasn't a fan of that on Monday night. Um, Speaking of things I wasn't a fan of, Orton and Sheamus. Love Orton right now. I think Sheamus is doing awesome. A big fan of his. Got a new t-shirt out. And also, by the way, fun fact for you. I did not know this. Maybe you did. But when Sheamus comes out on the stage and he you know, pumps his chest, for the longest time, as many of you did as well, I'm sure, thought he said, fella. He's screaming, fella. That's not what he's saying. He's, he's saying, clear the way in Irish. It's on the back of his new t-shirt. I thought that was interesting when I found that out yesterday. I thought you might find that interesting too. But anyway, love Orton. Love Sheamus. I don't love Orton versus Sheamus. It's, it's, it's a fine match. I don't really, you know, it's not a terrible match. It's just something we've seen a million times over. I know it's been like a year since we last saw them face each other, but a year is not long enough. Like, if Cena Norton had a match tomorrow, it's been at least two years since they face each other. I would still moan and groan and bitch because we've seen that match how many times? A million over the last seven, eight years. So I'm just not a fan of it. And this was more of the same. A fine match, I just the non-finish, again, why bother? Why bother doing the match if you're going to do a disqualification finish? I'm sure they'll probably do an ODQ match on SmackDown or something, but unless if they're not even building to that, then why bother? Why not just do Orton versus Kofi? Or Sheamus versus Reigns again? Or Sheamus versus Ziggler? Or, okay, maybe not Sheamus versus Ziggler. At least they have better matches. Just Sheamus and Orton does not excite me in 2015, period. We had other hype for the Money in the Bank ladder match involving all the other guys. We had everyone interrupting each other. Pretty paint-by-numbers segment. Um, the other matches, Kane and Ziggler, uh, a fine match, didn't really care for it. The best match event out of the Money in the Bank you know, preview matches was easily Roman Reigns versus Kofi Kingston. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was great. And, um, you know, not an amazing match, but I thought both guys held their own. And Kofi Kingston, it was something new. I think moreover than anything else, we have never seen Kingston versus Reigns before. So I enjoyed it for what it was. Miz TV, it was okay. I like Miz. I like Ryback. I don't like Big Show. Just seeing two guys who are ready to beat the crap out of each other in Ryback and Big Show sitting casually next to each other in a, you know, like a talking segment. It was just, it just felt out of place. I just thought it was weird. So I really wasn't um, that big of a fan of that. I just kind of thought it was dumb. But yeah, decent stuff there. Harper and Rowan squashing the Matadors. And then we had Big E versus Titus O'Neil. Fine match. Didn't really care for it that much. I thought it was weird that the primetime players didn't go over in their singles match or, you know, before their tag team title opportunity on Sunday. Maybe it's a swerve that they're winning the belts. I don't know. Hopefully so. I would love to see the primetime players with the championships. Long time coming. But, um, yeah, we'll see Sunday. Like I already talked about, Roman Reigns versus Kofi Kingston. The main event, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool to see J&J security back in the ring. The crowd was behind them, which I thought was surprising. I thought they would be dead for this match, which was quite the contrary. They were pretty alive for this. Um, J&J security picking up the upset win after interference from Ambrose and Kane and everyone. And they picked up the win. They pinned, they pinned Seth Rollins and pinned, and they beat the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Yes, Joey Mercury, who you can play as in SmackDown vs. Raw 2007, and Jamie Noble, who you can play as, I'm sure, in one of the early SmackDown vs. Raw games from over 10 years ago, beat the WWE World Heavyweight Champion in the main event of Raw in 2015. Remember this day. But yeah, I thought it was an enjoyable ending, and you know, making Rollins look weak... 
I'm not going to say he looks weak. He looks vulnerable, which I think is a perfect role for him. So I, I've enjoyed his reign so far. I didn't have a huge problem with that happening. You know, if he lost without any reason, without any rhyme or reason, then I would, you know, bitch on it. But I feel like this specifically was fine. I, I feel like it felt, you know, it served the purpose. We'll see how it plays into the match on Sunday, the latter match between Ambrose and um, Seth Rollins. We'll see if the authority interferes or not. But anyway, that was that. On the whole, a, a decent show. Didn't think it was a great show, but for what it was. I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. Um, they did well with it, and I enjoyed it. So, you know, if anything, if more, you know, if nothing else, it was not the most extremely entertaining show of all time, but, um, you know, it did successfully get me excited for Sunday, Money in the Bank, which is always great. Speaking of Money in the Bank, that is the perfect transition into my next segment, my picks, previews, and predictions for this upcoming Sunday's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. I've got at RJ underscore Marceau from the Twitter on the line. We talk all about the pay-per-view and who we see going over in each match on Sunday. Enjoy. Hello? RJ, what's up, dude? Nothing's going, Graham. Nothing much. Ready for Money in the Bank on Sunday? I can't wait for Money in the Bank on Sunday. I'm sure you're pumped for this match on the kickoff show. R Truth versus King Barrett. Who you, who you got going over there? Uh probably Barrett. I freaking can't stand R Truth tonight. <laughs> Such a random match. I don't know why never that kick off the show, but I guess I'm for R Truth and being for uh, Barrett to do since he hasn't done much since he's won King of the Ring. I guess they're putting it together because it was R Truth who eliminated him from the Elimination Chamber a couple weeks ago. Remember, so that's probably why they're doing it, but. I don't know. You you know my thoughts on Barrett and how they're burying the guy, but yeah, it is it is a very random matchup, and I would hope that Barrett wins. But our truth is the same guy who they had um beat Stardust a couple weeks ago too. So I have no idea what to think. Yeah, I don't know. I think I don't know. I feel like they're trying to get our truth going, but like it's too damaged good to this point. After like I think it doesn't tell me like that kind of like title title uh, title picture never really turned down. Could have been enhancement talent since, so I don't know why they'd have Barrett lose and lose the R truth of all people, but hopefully Barrett wins. Exactly. During his heel run, that was when he was at his peak. But yeah, the, it, did, it not only does it not help Barrett, but it completely ruins the prestige of the King of the Ring, as it wasn't ruined before, but it is what it is, I guess. But also on the show for the Divas Championship, Nikki Bella defending the title against Paige. Who do you got going over? This was actually a tough one for me. Um... I want to say Nikki Bella. I want to say Nikki Bella retains. I want to say Twin Man. Some, some shenanigans will happen again. She won't be there clean. So I want to say Nikki Bella. Um, I think they're kind of like focusing on her, kind of like them holding the Divas like championship hostage the last couple months since she won in uh, November. But um, I think they're going to have a fresh face beat Nikki Bella. I don't think they're going to have a, uh, what's her face, a page win. So maybe like Charlotte down the line. I don't think... She'll drop at the period. I think they'll wait till a new face comes up and they'll take it from the Bellas. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the right time anyway. And if there is anyone that's going to beat her for the belt, I thought it should have been Naomi a few weeks ago, but they obviously didn't go with that. But Charlotte makes sense. But um, that brings me to my next question. Do you think that now that they're touting how long she's held the title for, I think over 200 days by this point, do you think they're going to have her break the longest reigning reign of the Divas Championship in history, AJ Lee? <laughs> I think it's possible if they think it- if they have any chance to do it, this is the perfect opportunity. She already had it over, I think they said over, at least over 200 days, so, I think she's probably, I think it makes sense if they want to try to, like, stick it to them and try to get the record off her name, so I think she, at this point, they've already had 200 days under the belt, so why not just go all the way through with it and not wait, try to start up again? I think that'd be perfect. 
they want to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure they're probably going to go all the way, or at least try to. If they can't go the CM Punk reign and have someone else be his reign at 434, they'll do the next best thing and try to get AJ's reign out of there and have Nikki Bella beat the record instead. I would not be surprised, but yeah, that's it. I also got Nikki Bella going over here. For the Intercontinental Championship, Ryback defending against Big Show. Who do you think is going to win this one? I hope to God Ryback wins and Big Show wins. title is just put in a trash can. Yeah, I really. But I don't I hope get not. why. I have no idea why Big Show is in a t- on TV alone in a title match. It makes <laughs> no sense. His Ryback feud was so random. You know, Big Show came out and was like, "I deserve a championship match." I'm like, "All right, let's see with the Big Show." And he just, I don't know. I just can't stand Big Show anymore. I can tell her Kane. I can't stand Big Show, and I just think it'd be so dumb if Ryback lost it two weeks later from when he won it to, of all people, the Big Show. Yeah. Exactly. No, I couldn't agree more. I can at least tolerate Kane, especially when he has the mask on. Big Show doesn't matter if he's face, heel, tweener, whatever. Can't stand the guy. But I'm sure this is going to get you riled up because I was just thinking about this. How much sense does it make that Big Show's in there, whereas a guy who actually beat Ryback a few weeks ago, Bray Wyatt, who beat the inter- who who is now the Intercontinental Champion Ryback, is not even on this pay per view. Where, where's Bray Wyatt at? He's nowhere. I was on TV. <laughs> he wasn't even on Raw last <laughs> night. For a cup of coffee and got beat by Ryback. Uh, <laughs> yep. Like, they make the count so weak, but like, they make them big and bad, and then all of a sudden he starts losing to people. And it's not like he's losing good. Like, I guess he lost to Roman Reigns, but like, they made Roman Reigns look so weak, and he got attacked by uh, Mark Henry and had some other match with, I don't know who it was, I can't remember who it was, Man or Rob, but like, make him look so weak, and then freaking comes out and beats Bray Wyatt like nothing, and he's never on TV anymore. I don't know. I guess they're going Ryback. I think Bray Wyatt's kind of starting to get down the water a little bit. It doesn't make any sense. I'm sure that they might want to try to protect him. Oh, like we don't want to have him get. We don't want to have him get pinned or whatever. They have a ready-made feud with Ryback, or at the very least, put him in the Money in the Bank ladder match, even if he's not going to win. Because I'm sure they're not trying to not or trying to protect him or whatever. Because if they're going to protect him, then why'd you have him? How, why'd you have Reigns beat him last week? You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah, hopefully that changes in the near future. But, up next, the WWE Tag Team Titles. The New Day defending against the Primetime Players. Who do you see coming out with the Tag Team Titles? Um, that's actually a tough one, too. Cause I can see the Primetime Players winning, but I don't know if they take them off the New Day. I think if they're going to take them off the New Day, they should have last month, and the Primetime Players should have beat them at Owners Chamber, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say New Day. Uh, I don't, I, there's no really reason why I just think that if the primetime player should have won, they should have won the chamber, it would have meant a lot more. So I'll say uh, New Day. Yeah, this one could go either way. I could see the primetime players going over here, but if there's any babyface team, and I love the players, but I feel like they could also push the Dragons and put them in the title picture and have them be the ones to beat the New Day, but I don't know how likely that is. They were like one of the first teams eliminated in the chamber a few weeks ago, so I have no idea... If that's the route they're going, and the plus the fact they're reuniting, um, they've reunited Harper and Rowan. They said last night in Raw we're going after the titles or something like that. So I don't know what when they're going to be in the title picture, but yeah, I, this could go either way. I'll probably go with New Day, but I wouldn't be surprised, and I would be happy to see the primetime players win. Up next, Money in the Bank ladder match, pretty foregone conclusion, but the the combatants include Kofi Kingston, Sheamus, Kane, Dolph Ziggler, Neville, Randy Orton, and Roman Reigns. Who do you coming out? Who do you see coming out with the opportunistic briefcase? I think it's obvious to be Roman Reigns, but I'm not. I'm not going to put out the question that Kane could win. I'm not saying to be the best person to win, but I think they could easily, 
they could play it more in the storyline of Rollins still champion if he wins than Rollins other than uh, Reigns. I think it'd be good that I think they could do something good like Kane have Kane win it and Kane tries to cash it in on Rollins and he fails on it and then Rollins has beaten like Ambrose uh, Reigns or in Kane then like at Battleground they haven't played Cena then have Owens cost Cena the match against Rollins and then Rollins says I beat everyone who's like and then Lesnar comes out and they have him and Lesnar for SummerSlam but I think Reigns I think it's obvious that Reigns is going to win but um that's pretty much it. I think Kane's a dark horse that could possibly win. But I don't think anyone else besides Reigns has a, at least a speck of chance to win. Everyone else is just a spot monkey. Kofi Kingston especially, who I'm not even sure why is in the match. Neville the same thing, who I'm glad is in here. It's going to be an awesome match, but no one other than Reigns and maybe Kane have a chance of winning, like you said. I've got to go with Roman Reigns here too, and I'm sure they're probably going to go with what you said a couple months ago. And you called this back in like April or March, and they're going to have him cash in against Rollins or Ambrose or whoever and then do maybe a triple threat for SummerSlam or just do Reigns and Ambrose. I don't know how he's going to cash in or if he's going to turn heel at all, but um, it definitely seems like that's the route they're going in. So Roman Reigns goes over here. Up next, John Cena versus Kevin Owens in one of the most highly anticipated rematches in WWE history, according to the commentators last night. Um, but who do you and see? John Cena. Who do you, you got John Cena? No, I said and John Cena said that too. Most highly anticipated rematch without the title on the line. Oh, yeah, he did say that. Yeah, they're really trying to push it, but I am looking forward to it, though. If this match is half as good as the last one, it should be a show stealer. But who do you see going over in part two of this uh, epic series? This is actually really tough. Um, I want Owens to win. I think Owens should win. But I think if he loses the Cena, then what would like what would really make for them to have a rematch? I've seen it beat him clean, and then there'd be no... They'd keep going up the fact that Owens won, and it was a fluke victory at... I mean, elimination chamber, so then if Cena's beat him clean, then there'd be no reason for them to continue their feud. It's not even for a title, so I think Owens should win. I think if Owens win, then he wants a championship match, and then maybe they do something at Battlegrounds, like a spot fit, like a, like he gets DQ or something, so then they redo it at SummerSlam, and then he wins the belt there. But I think it's stupid that it's not even for the belt, and I think it's stupid how Cena keeps saying, like, he didn't give him a title because he's not a man, but Owens beat him. And then, like, they're still not doing a title match, but I hope it's Owens, but I have a feeling Cena might win, but I'm going to go with Owens. There's some flawed logic there too, because last night on Raw they also mentioned that where Neville or when Owen said I'll you know host an open challenge for myself, and Cena said I'll accept, and Owen said no, I won't do it against you, and Cena called him out on it. Yet Cena's not the one that's he's not putting up his championship up for grabs when Owen's clearly earned it at the last pay per view. That doesn't make any sense, but um, yeah, exactly. The ending outcome could very go either could very well go either way. I probably got Kevin Owens here. I, I'd be fine if he want if he like cheated or something, as long as he wins. Because I feel like if you just do the typical Cena, Bray Wyatt, Rusev bullshit that you get with every single Cena feud, the first one was great. But I feel like what's gonna make this feud different is if they have Kevin Owens be that one guy that Cena can't beat, and they don't do the whole you get a win, I get a win, and then just do the rubber match. It's 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 the same old same old. So. How about this? How about like, what do you what do you think of maybe like Cena? It's Owens wins again at wins again at freaking Money in the Bank, and then they do them again at Battleground. Owens hits every maneuver in his arsenal. Can't beat Cena, gets disqualified at Battleground. But then they do a rematch at SummerSlam. So Owens would kind of lose a match because he got DQ'd, but he'd be two and one, and then he'd beat Cena at SummerSlam. So technically, he'd get losing like get pinfall in submission, but he got DQ'd because of like. So I feel like someone, he's going to get DQ'd one of the times. I don't think, yeah. I don't think they're going to have him lose 
have Kings Law Formation. They're just kill all the momentum he had. Yeah, they got to keep him undefeated for a while. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen this soon, but. An Owens-Lesnar match. If they keep Owens undefeated and they keep Lesnar undefeated somehow until WrestleMania again, three years yep. or two years after he beat the streak or whatever, it would be yep. insane. So I'm hoping they go that route. I don't see them going that route. But, I, yeah, I just feel like it would be a waste if Cena won here clean. If any, I mean, even if he cheated or something, even just for Owens to get pinned, for Cena to be the first guy to beat him, just like we saw with Wyatt and Rusev and everyone else in the last 10 years, it wouldn't make any sense. So Owens has to win here, I feel like, even if he cheats. And I like the idea, though. You have him lose via DQ, and then they do another rematch at SummerSlam and, like, a, I don't know, some sort of step match, and you give him the belt there or something. Because I don't yeah. know why they're not I think, putting... I think, the head, I think the end run is giving... I think Owens will win the, win the, the title eventually. Yeah. I don't think the end result of this feud is Cena going over and then... Owens has nothing. He just has the NXT championship. I think he has. They have to go all the way with this to give him the United States championship. Yeah, there's no one really else other than, I mean, maybe Samoa Joe. I just don't see that happening in the near future. That would warrant a bigger reaction for him, for someone losing the title to. Like, if they were saving that moment for a bit, if they were saving that title change for a huge moment, there was no one really else either in NXT or on the main roster that it would make sense for, for him to drop the title yeah. to, other than Kevin Owens. So that's got to be the end game. Hopefully. At the next paper, at Battleground or yeah. SummerSlam or whatever. His so. reactions are ridiculous too. He gets a lot of cheering. He gets a good reaction too. For someone that just barely started wrestling too. He's got a lot of cheers and boos, but <laughs> for someone that I don't know, I think he's a big player right now. I think so. I think they screw it all up if they had him lose. Right next to Rollins is the best heel right now. I mean, that's not really saying much because we don't have many great heels right now, but right up there with Rollins is the best heel in the company. The guy's great. I love how the fact that because Triple H is backing him, they're finally booking him correctly, and they didn't botch his push from the start. And the fact he got a clean win to begin with is amazing. But the match itself... Yeah, especially over (laughs) Cena, exactly. Not many other people could say that, but the match itself should be amazing, much like it was a couple weeks ago. So we get to the main event for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship in a ladder match. Seth Rollins defense against Dean Ambrose. Who do you see walking out with the title? Rollins, um... I think that I don't know why they keep having Ambrose steal the title and stuff. I don't know. It kind of makes him seem like a loser. Like he can't win it, so he just keeps taking everyone's championships or briefcases or anything that's not his. They keep taking it, so it kind of like makes him seem like he's just like a little slime ball that just keeps taking everyone's stuff because he can't win it. But true, true. I don't think the authority will get involved. I think they're kind of playing off the wrong. Just kind of branch out of the authority and win by himself. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone did interfere. Um. I think I think like people are saying like maybe turn to Reigns heel turn like maybe somebody tries to get involved and Reigns kicks out Ambrose by accident and Rollins wins kind of sets them going up into the summer but um, I think Rollins will win I wouldn't be surprised if there's uh, an interference but I think maybe they're trying to branch him out of like the J and J and King that they kind of foreshadowed last night Rollins just him on his own maybe Stephanie Triple H had his back but not really anyone at the ringside to really help him during the match so I have Rollins. It would be nice if he just beat him without any interference at all. And they just beat him, you know, not clean one, two, three, but he, you know, without any interference or whatever, just did it on his own. So Ambrose is protected because he's not getting pinned. And it shows that Rollins can win on his own without the authority. And I mean, it's not completely far fetched because we saw Owens beat Cena clean one, two, three, two weeks ago. So anything's possible. I would love for that to happen. I mean, all the authority stuff with J&J security beating him last night, obviously, I mean, they've been doing this, they've, they've done this like a hundred times where they swerve, they pretend they're going to break up and they're back together. 
I'm sure it's another one of those things. And if not, then they won't help him on Sunday and he'll win on his own. It just doesn't feel like it's the right time to take the title off him. He has to be champion um, in time for SummerSlam. If they wanted to put the belt on Ambrose for like two weeks... Elimination Chamber would have, would have been the place to do it, and you give the belt back to Rollins on this show. But they didn't do that, so it's obvious at this point they're just going to keep the title on him um, through SummerSlam until his match with Lesnar, presumably either at Battleground or SummerSlam or whatever. So before we go off the air, any other final expectations for the Sunday show? I just think Sunday show's going good. I think um, I think all the previews this year so far have been pretty good. So um, I really like Elimination Chamber. But the, the match, the two chamber matches, the IC title match was terrible. But the uh, tag team moment had its moments. But um, I think it should be a good show. It's going to be hard for Owens and Cena to do better than they did the first match. But I think the other matches have potential to be really good. So pretty excited for the show and um, can't wait to see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Money, Money in the Bank is always great, so hopefully this continues that strong streak of awesome shows for Money in the Bank. But sounds good, man. Thanks thanks for coming on. I'll catch you down the road. All right, see you later, guys. See you, dude. Thanks again to RJ for joining me. You can follow him on Twitter at RJ underscore Marceau. And thank you for listening. You can do so every single Tuesday. New episodes are up every single Tuesday right here on NextEraWrestling.net. Now time for the huge announcement that I teased before. We've got a former WWE star, current TNA star on the show. Probably not next week. I want to say in two weeks. Next week will be devoted to Money in the Bank thoughts and Raw thoughts and everything else. This interview went on for 40 minutes, so I don't want to go into like a two-hour show or anything. Probably wait until the 23rd to debut this episode. Maybe the week after. I will see. Just tune in next week. We'll find out. You can stay. You can just stay tuned on social media for more information as to when it will drop. But coming here to WrestleRant Radio is former WWE star, current TNA star Tyrus, aka Brodus Clay. Talked to him earlier today. Really cool dude. We talked all about his time on NXT, his Funkasaurus character, why it worked, why it didn't work, turning heel, why that flopped, going back to NXT. Um, his music career, his acting career, his time in TNA, and so much more. He's an awesome dude. You're not going to want to miss this exclusive interview with the artist formerly known as Brodus Clay and currently known in TNA as Tyrus. It's a great 40-minute interview, like I said, either next week or the week after. And I'll be updating my social media to find out officially when it will drop. Debating whether between next week or the week after. Probably in two weeks because I don't want to clutter next week's show with too much talk because I might be having another guest on to preview or to review, rather, uh, Money in the Bank this upcoming Sunday. But on that note, you can find me all over social media on Facebook at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews on Twitter at WrestleRant. On YouTube, we recently surpassed 700 subscribers, so thank you for that. I appreciate the support. You can find me on there at youtube.com backslash C backslash GrahamGSMMatthews. And right here on nextairwrestling.net, updated daily new content almost every single day of the week. Raw Reviews, SmackDown, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, NXT, TNA, everything you can possibly imagine. And speaking of which, the new five-hour block of wrestling, it was exhausting last Wednesday when we had Lucha, NXT, um, TNA, and Ring of Honor. It was, it was nuts. But all four of which I will be reviewing for NextEraWrestling.net. Live reviews from time to time, usually of Raw, maybe on Sunday for Money in the Bank. Stay tuned for more of that. I'll be um, find out for sure by the weekend, absolutely. But what is for definite, though, reviews of Monday Night Raw, live reviews every single Monday, just minutes before Raw goes live on, on USA Network. Just go over to NextEraWrestling.net. Usually on the homepage, if you've got live coverage, I update it after every single match and segment. Not going to want to miss that. 
So thanks again, folks, for tuning in every single Tuesday. New episode of WrestleRant Radio. Two weeks. We've got former W. Like I said, either next week or the week after. Who knows? But next week, we are definitely reviewing Money in the Bank. Either next week or the week after. Stay tuned for more on that on social media for a definite answer. We've got former WWE star Brodus Clay, current TNA star Tires. Great dude. Great conversation. You're not going to want to miss it. Again, folks, thanks for your support. Have an awesome week. Enjoy Money in the Bank this upcoming Sunday. And I'll catch you folks next Tuesday.